Welcome to this new episode of Euromed Standing Watch, the podcast series by Euromed Rights. Each month, we give the floor to activists and human rights advocates around the Euro-Mediterranean region. They share their daily experiences and challenges. Today, we are going straight to Gaza in Palestine to talk about the Great March of Return. This series of demonstrations were organized between the 30th of March 2018 and December 2019. They aimed at demanding an end to the Israeli blockade and the right of return for Palestinian refugees. But while these demonstrations were largely peaceful, the Israeli army used tear gas, rubber bullets and lava munition against the protesters. Hundreds of people were killed and thousands injured, including journalists and medics. As on the 20th of March we celebrated the third year of the marches, we decided to meet Nuria Hoswald. She's the International Legal and Advocacy Director of Almizan Center for Human Rights Studies. In this episode, Nuria highlights the need to hold accountable those who committed these crimes. And she begins by recalling the basics of the Great March of Return. So the Great March of Return was a grassroots organized and community-led protest movement whereby thousands of Palestinians in the Gaza Strip came out on a weekly and, and sometimes bi-weekly basis to protest and demand their rights, starting on Palestinian Land Day in March 2018 and, and lasting for almost two years. Older people came out, young people, women and children. There were couples, families attending, and there were journalists also who, who came to cover the march and also Israel's response to the marches. And then because of Israel's response, which was quite violent in nature, and I'll, I'll talk about that in just a second, there were also medics and, and nurses who were on site. And what we saw was Israel targeting those participants and the, the journalists and medics who were also at the marches in really a shocking way with live fire, including by Israeli sharpshooters, with tear gas including by, by shooting the tear gas canisters directly at protesters. Israel's response resulted in, in the death, according to El Mizan's documentation, of at least 217 Palestinians. And that includes children and people with disabilities who were unarmed and who were protesting peacefully. And thousands of protesters were wounded as well. And it's important to emphasize here that the protests were conducted in a law enforcement framework. So according to this framework, the protesters, the medics, and the journalists who were targeted would have had to have posed an imminent threat of death or serious injury to the Israeli soldiers or others in, in the vicinity in order for them to have been targeted lawfully. And according to El Mizan's documentation, so we were on the ground during every event that was held, and according to other human rights organizations, and then importantly, according to the UN Commission of Inquiry that was mandated by the UN Human Rights Council to investigate the Great March of Return and Israel's response, that threat was not present. The threat that would have allowed Israeli soldiers within this law enforcement context to target Palestinians the way it did, it wasn't present. And so what that means is that the Israeli military was therefore repeatedly deviating from the fundamental rules of international human rights law and from its law enforcement obligations.
The protesters were mainly demanding two things. The first being for the illegal closure of Gaza to be immediately and fully lifted. So the closure is the policy unilaterally implemented by Israel that seals off Gaza from from the rest of the outside world and importantly from the rest of Palestine. And this policy is considered collective punishment under international law and um, it undermines a broad spectrum of rights of, of the Palestinian population in Gaza, which is around 2 million people. And in parallel, the protesters were calling for recognition and implementation of the Palestinian right of return. And this is a right that is established in, in international law. And today, after three years, why is it important for you to speak about the Great March of Return? The rights that the protesters were demanding, these are fundamental human rights that have been denied in some cases for over seven decades to Palestinians, those continue to be denied today. And so when we talk about the Great March of Return today, we're continuing to demand those rights for Palestinians. So for the closure to be immediately and fully lifted um, and for recognition of, of Palestinian right of return. And then secondly, the reason that Israel can continue to shirk its responsibilities as an occupying power and duty bearer in implementing those rights is precisely the reason that its military could kill and wound unarmed protesters the way that it did and with impunity. So the reason being that while Israel does not hold itself accountable, neither does the international community hold Israel to account. So there's really nothing to disincentivize Israel from continuing to oppress and dominate Palestinians and deny them their rights. And so secondly, when we talk about the Great March of Return, we're demanding meaningful intervention uh, by the international community that is in pursuit of accountability for the harm done within the Great March of Return, but then also for uh, the daily and overarching policies and practices by Israel within its occupation and colonization of Palestine that violate international law. Can you briefly describe the main missions led by Al-Mizan? So Al-Mizan is a Palestinian human rights organization based out of three offices in the Gaza Strip. And our mission is to pursue the rights of, of Palestinians. That entails having a focus on accountability and the pursuit of justice, in particular for Palestinians in Gaza, but as, uh, as part of broader Palestine. So Al-Mizan conducts monitoring and documentation, both of the policies and practices uh, that impact Palestinians in Gaza on a daily basis, but we also document the major whole-scale military bombardments. Part of this documentation effort was then to monitor the Great March of Return and Israel's response to the protesters' demands. We conduct awareness-raising activities for certain vulnerable groups in Gaza in, in terms of understanding their rights under international law, also training activities. And then we advocate for the rights of Palestinians internationally within Europe and at the UN as well. And we seek accountability. So we pursue legal initiatives in particular in Israel, but also internationally because Israel's justice system has been proven not to be a genuine one. We have been cooperating with Israel's uh, justice system, investigative mechanism, and court for some time. We engage in good faith, and we do so in pursuit of uh, Palestinians' human rights. 
um, and because Israel's system on paper is available to Palestinians in Gaza who have suffered harm. But in each case that we pursue, the picture becomes clearer that Israel's system is designed to deliver impunity. It is designed to shield Israeli officials and military leaders from punishment. And we saw this for the cases that we brought within the Great March of Return as well. And because Israel's system doesn't function to bring Palestinians their rights, and it doesn't function in accordance with international law, we began to cooperate with the International Criminal Court uh, after the situation in Palestine was referred to the prosecutor. This is part of our international justice efforts. Even in the rare prosecution, we see an intent by the Israeli system to shield its soldiers from genuine accountability or punishment. I'm thinking of the case of Othman al-Hilas. He was a young man, a child, who was participating peacefully in the Great March of Return, and his family was represented by Al-Mizan, and he was shot and killed while he was protesting. His case went through the Israeli justice system and it was one of the rare cases to reach prosecution. And the result was really another form of impunity coming out of the Israeli justice system. Instead of being charged uh, for unlawful killing of, of the child, the Israeli military courts indicted the soldier on the charge of disobeying an order leading to a threat to life or health. This is a disciplinary charge and sentenced the soldier who had killed the 14-year-old protester uh, to a 30-day prison sentence to be served through military-related labor. Uh, the court added a, a suspended sentence of 60 days and a demotion in rank. So the result of the case is really just another form of impunity. There was a wholly inadequate punishment given to the soldier, um, and the result was, was really derisory. We know that the ICC prosecutor has recently announced the opening of an investigation on the situation in Palestine. So what could you say about that? So Al-Mizan sees this investigation as an opportunity for Palestinian victims, survivors and families to see justice where Israel's domestic system tells them that no justice is due. And we see it as an opportunity for Israel to be held accountable and its violations to be stemmed, where the Israeli justice system has shown that instead it's designed to shield officials and military leaders, as I said, and where Israel has tried to argue that those crimes are justified, uh, or indeed not crimes at all. But what you point to in your question is the risk. We are always cautious when it comes even to opportunities like these, because the international community seems to exceptionalize Palestine for international justice. Within this context where there's complete impunity on the ground, Uh, and where the fundamental rights of Palestinians continue to be denied, including the rights and freedoms that Palestinian protesters were demanding within the Great March of Return, El-Mizan will continue to press forward for justice and continue to bring the demands and voices of victims, survivors, and their families to justice mechanisms, including to the International Criminal Court. 
you, Nouria. To know more about our work, check out our website www.euromedwhites.org and stay tuned for more episodes of Euromed Standing Watch. <laughs>